This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It is BFM 89.9. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Enterprise Explores. This is a show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from headlines to the bottom line. And in January of 2019, the Malaysian government launched the Professional Training and Education for Growing Entrepreneurs, the Protégé Programme, an initiative under the Entrepreneur Development and Cooperatives Ministry. Uh, it's dedicated to providing professional training and education for growing entrepreneurs. In the span of a year, the participation in that program witnessed an increase of approximately 12,000 individuals from 2023 to 2024. This significant growth brings the program one step closer to achieving its target participation rate, and it's currently standing at 84%. In the ever-evolving landscape of modern business, small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs of course, and micro-SMEs, face a unique set of challenges and opportunities, things that we talk about regularly here on the show. The key to navigating this complex environment lies in their ability to continuously learn and adapt. Pivot, as you might say, seemed to be the word of the pandemic. This is where the significance of training and development programs come into focus. Now, these programs are not just beneficial, uh, but some would argue essential for SMEs, uh, provide tools and knowledge required to stay competitive and to achieve sustainable growth. Now, today, speaking with me is Michael Teo, the founder and CEO of Thriving Talents, on the importance of such programs and how companies can take advantage of this to grow their business. Now, before I welcome him to the show, remember, if you have any thoughts, you can get us on our U-Mobile number. It is 018 89 Get us via WhatsApp there. Or, of course, you can get us on X. We are at BFM Radio. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you today? Thank you so much, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here and a good afternoon to all of our listeners of BFM. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, when was the last time you were here on uh, BFM? Wow, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> I was 25 years old. Uh-huh. I would regard myself as a young entrepreneur. Perhaps that's the aim of the government right now with yeah. the Protégé program to groom younger entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely fit that demographic 10 years ago. Great. So things obviously have, have changed over the last 10 years. Of right? course. <laughs> um, now, I, I've, I was looking at your clientele list on, on Thriving Talents. And uh, before I jump into the first question, you, you've been dealing with, you know, um, MNCs, GLCs. I'm looking at some of the some of the largest companies in the world. In fact, are on your clientele list, um, and I don't know what your um, involvement with them has been. Whether it's been a kind of touch and go kind of thing, but there are huge clients on here. Thank you. Um, and so, first of all, you know, congratulations on that within Thank the you. last ten years. Now, Thank you. these are very big companies, right? Right. Household names, a lot of them. Yes. And of course. We're looking today at uh, SMEs and micro SMEs. That's kind of more of the discussion. But what do you think is the current state of um, training and development, for example, for micro uh, and small and medium-sized businesses right now here in Malaysia? Firstly, just to set the context, um, as you have pointed out, we are very grateful that since we were set up in the year 2012, we've been able to expand our training, consulting, and coaching footprints to 41 countries. And as a Malaysian company, we're proud to have worked with at least 15% of the world's Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. And we work with all of the major banks and all the major MNCs in Malaysia. Now, it's very important for me to set that context for you, Richard, because 
people would normally say, wow, you're working with all these big companies, but when you're providing trainings for them, how would you relate to the SMEs or the micro businesses? But one of the things that I wish to challenge to all the listeners or the critics out there is when we work with these big companies, no doubt they have the resources, they have all the systems, all the processes put into place for succession planning, for skills development to ensure that their employees are agile and adaptable to the changing needs. Resources and investments that SMEs may not necessarily have. Right. But what we have done in Thriving Talents is that we have learned from all these big companies with all their unlimited, seemingly unlimited, I would say, resources and investment, learn from their best practices and bring it to the SMEs to say, hey, Business owners, my dear SME friends, these are what all the big boys are doing. Why not you emulate some of what they have done well Mm. for you as well? So to answer your question about what is the trend right now in terms of learning and development, training to help SMEs, I believe SMEs right now are in a very exciting stage because we have come into the age of artificial intelligence where many... I was waiting to see how long we'd get into this conversation. There you go, right? So we have to admit that, right? So we have like ChatGPT, we have even AI generators who could help you now with your social media videos and content. So I believe the main trend for training and development for SMEs that they should implement for their employees would be on three primary skills. The skills of being resourceful, Mm. teaching their employees to not have a closed mindset, but to have an open mindset to embrace technology, to embrace change, and yet not feel threatened that this technological advancement or change would replace them in their work. Mm. So that's number one. Number two, it's about the ability to be agile, to know that whatever you know today may change tomorrow, may no longer be relevant. Please don't sulk over it. Have a positive mind. Growth mindset. Mm. That's what all the big corporates like to use. Mm. So have that growth mindset among the employees to move forward. And third, I would say the trend that I'm seeing right now is for employees of SMEs, to know that when you join an SME, sure, they may not be as big as a multinational company yet, but you're joining an SME to learn about the overall industry and business, to learn from the founders, to learn from the leadership team. Hence why I believe leaders in SMEs play an even more important role right now to get themselves trained so that they know how to manage their employees, especially the millennials generation, Mm -hmm. where a lot of people tend to say they jump around when you train them, you're training them for your competitors, then they hop over to your competitors after two years. I'm against that criticism. I believe people jump is not because they want to jump. It is because oftentimes it is reflected on the company culture. It's reflected on how management has treated them, which of course, all this can be fixed through awareness done with the proper learning and training intervention. I mean, not just that, but you know, when opportunity comes knocking and you're at that age where you're curious, you know, and you found a company that appeals to you, whether it's their work culture, Sure. Whether or not it's the remuneration package that they offer. Sure. You know, you're you're at the age where jumping from one place to another is 
shouldn't be frowned upon. You know, yep. people from my generation, I'm a, f- I'm a few years older than you, Michael, um, would have maybe initially frowned upon this jumping around. But now right. when I look at it, yeah. I, I, I see the sense behind it. You know, right. I, I understand because right. being on a job, you are learning and you're upskilling yeah. the entire time as you're moving around. Sure. Now, uh, moving back to the, to the SMEs, why do you think training and development is crucial uh, for the growth and sustainability of these businesses? Why are they considered essential for survival and growth when it comes to the SME and the micro-SME community? What do you think about this uh, kind of landscape is important? I would like to share my perspectives with two reasons. Mm. Number one, I believe personalization. As you mentioned earlier, of course, when opportunities come knocking, better remuneration given by other companies, people may jump. But at the end of the day, I believe as leaders of the company, we should always have a personalized approach to at least try to understand the needs of our employees before they even consider jumping. And that could be having conversations with them. That could be knowing the right questioning techniques to ask them to really understand their motivation. Mm. So personalization is key. Now, how is this related to training and development right now? I believe gone are the days where you could just send your employees to a public speaking workshop, assuming that all of them want to learn about public speaking. (laughs) I think it's more important for you to have that conversation with them and say, what skills do you think that I can impart to you that would make you better or make you win in delivering the outcomes that you want in your job? Mm. So all that would happen through personalization. Mm. I believe the second point that I wish to share with you here in terms of the trend that SMEs could look forward to would be looking at the employees that they have And then looking at what are some of the competencies that they need in their business or in their industry in order to succeed, have an alignment with the employees to say, we are going to send you to this training because when you can do well in your job, the company does well in its job as well. The pie grows bigger. Everybody gets to share the pie. Everybody gets rewarded. Mm. And at the end of the day, one of the biggest hurdles that I hear from a lot of SMEs is that, Michael, training is expensive. Or, Michael, it's opportunity cost. I'm taking time away from my employees doing work. But there's a saying, right? If you do not send your employees to training and they continue to stay with you, and they become more irrelevant because they are not trained according to the changing market trends, then that would be an even more disastrous cost for the company. Mm, mm. So that's what I think. Mm. Okay, hold that thought. We need to take a short break. Sure, Folks, I'm here in uh, Enterprise Explores, of course. It is the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And today we're discussing the importance of training and development programs for businesses, particularly the micro and small and medium-sized businesses, on how these businesses are being enabled can contribute more towards Malaysia's economy. I'm here with Michael Teo, the founder and CEO of Thriving Talents. I'm Rich Bradbury, of course. We'll be back after a few messages. Keep it here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Behold freedom, Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. I'm Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Enterprise Explores. It's the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines down to the bottom line. Today, uh, we are exploring the importance of training and development programs for businesses, particularly micro and small and medium-sized businesses, and how these businesses being enabled can contribute towards growing Malaysia's economy. Of course, I'm here in the studio uh, with Michael Teo, the founder and CEO of Thriving Talents, company established in 2012 that's focused on developing future leaders and enhancing workplace performance. Michael, um, let's take a look at what you think uh, the way development programs have changed over the last couple of years, right? Sure. Particularly post-COVID and whatever. Sure. Um, and maybe give me some examples of how adaptability through training programs has benefited SMEs. I mean, you know, people talk about this word pivot, and I joked about it at the beginning of the show, but it was the word, wasn't it? It was yeah. the word of the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. I think let's talk about the word pivot first. Mm. I believe what the pandemic has done for us is to open up our minds and also the willingness and acceptance of our hearts to consider learning not just merely based on face-to-face classroom settings. Uh It has allowed us right now to also go online, to use virtual interventions, using different technologies, e-learning to learn. And what this means for SMEs is that if you think hiring a renowned coach, facilitator or trainer would be expensive, now you would have a lot of resources available for you online that you could tap into for your employees to learn. Now, obviously, people would say, but Michael, we have a lot of those resources on YouTube. You have platforms like Udemy. Sure, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, people would have never thought that they would be engaged learning online. But one thing that we have learned from the pandemic is that we were forced to learn online. And because of that, it has set a new lifestyle for us. Mm. So to answer your question now, from pivot to what's adaptability of learning programs, we have began to see that a lot of our clients, of course, some of the major organizations around the world, they're more demanding now. No longer face-to-face classroom workshop styles would satisfy them. Hence why in Thriving Talents, we started investing in bringing them to company visits. We started introducing a concept called corporate university, where we team up with some of the renowned universities locally and internationally to provide certifications for employees. We even do fireside chats where we invite CEOs, celebrities, athletes to actually speak to employees of these companies. Now, of course, all these solutions, to name a few that I've just mentioned, you may be thinking, ah, oh, this is affordable by the big boys in the yeah. industry, but what about the SMEs? Well, that's what I was going to be ask done. you, because there's yeah. going to be SMEs sat at home saying, well, they can afford to do that. They mm. can afford to do all of these things. Right. We can't. We're, we're on a, you know, a shoestring budget. What do we do? Well, number one, talk to us. (laughs) We could always customize a solution for you. And you'll be rather surprised. I've hosted CEOs of major organizations, billionaires, who would come in and do forums, Mm. become a panelist, or even become a speaker for some of my clients. But oftentimes they would say, Michael, do you have clients who are of smaller businesses or micro businesses? And of course I would, share with them. I said, Tan Sri, Dato Sri, Dato. These micro businesses or SMEs may not be able to afford your fees, as an example. But they would say, Michael, at their stature, it's not really about the fees. It's about giving back. Mm. 
I've also worked with some of the universities that would like to certify people in the workforce. And they too said, Michael, not everything is about the dollar and cents. It's about us contributing to the SMEs, bringing our expertise from the university with our trainers from Thriving Talents coming together and delivering that value to the SMEs. Because I see a lot of these successful businesses, successful people, when the SMEs grow, they hire more people. When they hire more people, they get to grow their revenue, they get to grow their market share. And because of that, they could afford better trainings, a more variety of trainings in the future. So I believe for the SMEs, there has to be a shift of mindset mm. to start thinking that, hey, don't think training is expensive. You have not spoken to any of the training providers out there. I mean, you have not spoken to Thriving Talents yet. Come to us. As I mentioned earlier, personalization. Every learning solution can be personalized. Mm. If face-to-face -face intervention like workshops is expensive for you, we could have a hybrid right now. Yeah. We could have perhaps a half-day workshop with a half-day online learning intervention. And online learning interventions could be relatively cheaper. So everything can be personalized, can be customized to the need of the SMEs. So what I'm interested in is to know... When you've got these, uh, and, and I'm not talking about just thriving talents in general, but sure. like um, training programs in general, sure. when we look at things like access to finance for uh, SMEs and micro SMEs, yes. do you think that these training workshops help them with access to financing? Because maybe they're meeting somebody on these courses that might know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Of course. You know, and th that knowledge that they pick up from these courses of course. obviously must help them of to course. be more knowledgeable about who to approach, correct? Of course. Right. So I would like to approach your question, this conversation, Richard, in three perspectives. Perspective number one, when you talk about SMEs uh, having access to finances, uh, did you know that when you send your employees to training, it is tax deductible? Yeah. In a sense, the government do uh, advise, they do encourage the SMEs to actually upskill their employees. There are many programs that have been launched by the government, by the Human Resource Development Corporation, HRD Corp, by Perqueso, where they have all these programs that would incentivize SMEs yeah. to send their employees to training and get financial incentive because of it. Number two, when you're talking about sending employees the trainings and as they network and as they get to know people, they would open up opportunities mm. for their companies to get financing, to get business opportunity. I would like to say yes, especially when you send your employees to trainings that has employees from, for example, in Thriving Talents term, employees from banks. So if let's say we were to run a program and you are an SME, you would send five of your employees to a impactful sales program, which because it's a public program, we would have some of our clients from the banks who will be there. Now, whole and behold, you may have someone who from the loan department, you may have someone from the investment department that will be there with you as your classmate. Yeah. And that's the opportunity for you to build that repo and build that relationship. It's not but what you know, it's who you know. It's Well, it's not what you know, it's not... Well, I believe it's not what you know, 
Yes, it's who you know, but it's who knows you too. Yeah. So it's about <laughs> making that impression, right? Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, I believe for employees when they attend trainings, it's about having that open mindset and an open heart to connect with everyone. Okay. And the final perspective that I'd like to share, talking about SME, sending employees to training, and then having access to financing, of course, as they network with people there, as they are being upskilled, for example, if they're able to present themselves well, if they're able to problem solve better, who knows? When they go back to their companies, they would meet some of the company's board of directors. They could meet some investors in their SME companies. Because of the confidence and the skills of these board of directors or investors could have seen in them because they've attended the training, they could get access to more financing. The board or the investors could be more convinced that, hey, Mr. SME owner, looks like you have upskilled your staff. It looks like they know how to solve problems now. It looks like they know how to pitch. It looks like they know how to sell better. Let us increase our investment for you to expand your business mm. as an SME. Have you seen more demand from SMEs and micro SMEs for training programs? I would say the... Awareness is there. Right. I would say that the demand is growing. Unfortunately, not as fast as what I would like, not as fast as what I've seen I mean, among the, the big companies. Let me explain why I ask that. I mean, sure. Because obviously when we saw at the end of the pandemic, or even during the pandemic, sure. of course, um, a lot of people uh, had decided, uh, for goodwill or not, that perhaps what they were doing in their current job yep. and the direction that their current life was in yep. was not exactly what they wanted. You know? and so they kind of went, you know, enough of that, yeah. enough of the nine to five rat race. <laughs> I want to do my own thing. Right. You know? and, and maybe they made that decision right. but wanted to learn a little bit more before they did it. You know, before they put their skin in the game, yep. they're like, okay, I need to understand what I'm getting myself into. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking right. these people probably decided, right, I'm going to go on a training course. Yes. And I'd imagine towards the end of the pandemic, yes. or in the middle of that, you yes. saw a lot of this online stuff happening. Yep. But has that kind of tapered off then, do you think? I believe right now, in terms of my interactions with my clients yeah. and with some of the SMEs as well, virtual training, online training is here to stay. Yeah. But of course... In terms of preference, especially in Malaysia, people would still prefer that face-to-face. -face. But sure. again, as I mentioned earlier, if cost is a constraint, there is always that responsibility, or I would say that exciting blend of idea that us as training providers could do is to provide a hybrid type of learning. Yeah. You could you may not be able to afford as an SME for a five days face-to-face -face leadership program in a five-star resort. But why can't we trim that down to perhaps a two-days face-to-face program and a three-days action project type mm -hmm. in a sense where your employees go back to your SMEs and then they are assigned assignments where they have to work on certain functions in your SMEs yeah. to show that they have been practicing the skills that they have learned. Yeah. So truth be told, Richard, yes, online learning is there, but of course the interest has actually slowed down. But that, I believe that just presents us trainers or training providers with an exciting opportunity to come up with something more creative mm. to see how we could merge online and the offline face-to-face -face learning world. 
Okay. Hold that thought. We're going to take another short break before we come in with our final segment today, of course. You tuned into Enterprise Explores. This is the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Of course, I'm Rich Bradbury. We're talking about the importance of training and development programs for businesses, particularly micro and small and uh, medium-sized businesses. When we come back, uh, maybe take a quick look at what the Malaysian government has a vision for, uh, maybe a bit of discussion about that, and the uh, allocation of 30 million ringgit under the 12th Malaysia plan. I might pick Michael's brain a little bit about that. For sure. Don't go anywhere. This, of course, is Enterprise Explores here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Blockbusters for me. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Enterprise Explores. Uh, this is the show that where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business. From the headlines to the bottom line, of course, I'm Rich Bradbury here in the studio with Michael Teo, the founder and CEO of Thriving Talents. We're having a, a good old chat during the break. Um, now, uh, Michael, um, just before I, I, I let you go this afternoon, I want to talk to you a little bit about... Um, this the protege program that I mentioned at the, the top of the show. Of course. Um, what specific objectives would programs like um, the protege programs aim to achieve uh, for, for Malaysian entrepreneurs? I mean, we kind of talked about it loosely, and we've said this is what we want long term. But if we look at things short term right now, what do you think they they're aiming to achieve? Because it's just like, I, I worry that it's like, okay, look, we've got 84% attendance. You know, that's like a teacher saying, look, we're doing well. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean anything do you know what i mean to the best of my knowledge the prodigy program that has been introduced by the government would see young graduates being placed in some of the largest companies in malaysia and they are supposed to be shadowing some of the leaders or the executives in this firm but i believe the prodigy program what its aim is is to inculcate a mindset or a behavior of an entrepreneurial Malaysian talent. And we talk about an entrepreneurial Malaysian talent. We're talking about someone who is adaptable, someone who's highly resourceful, someone who makes the best out of the limited resources they have, and yet being able to go out there and get other additional resources. With a smile on your face. With a smile and with that positive growth-minded mindset. And of course, having that ability to persuade, to convince, to communicate. And as a training company myself, whom we have also supported some of the Protégé programs, you can see most of the skills that is expected to be taught to these Protégés are skills that are essentially needed for young people to start their businesses for people to become entrepreneurs. So I believe that would be the aim of the program. Would I go on to the extent of saying, hey, we have 12,000 Protégé graduates now. That means we have 12,000 businesses. Not necessarily. Because I can tell you, you can be an entrepreneurial person in a large company. You can hire an entrepreneurial person for your SME, again, there's a distinction there. Some people say, oh, Michael, protégés, they are being trained as entrepreneurs. Oh, no, I'm hiring someone that will come into my company and at the, at the end of the day become my competitor. That's not the case. You want to hire someone who 
is entrepreneurial, yeah. who thinks like an entrepreneur, but follows you because they believe in the vision, the direction that you have for your business. Especially, this message goes out to all the SME business owners out there. Mm. Don't fear the prodigies. They have been groomed to be entrepreneurial to help you grow your business. Uh, at the end of the day, an entrepreneur is somebody who likes to solve problems. There you go. You know, that's right. It's, it's, if you break it down, essentially, that's what they are. You know? Exactly. I mean, they might want to make some money along the way. Well, but you, you have to in order to be sustainable, correct, to scale. Correct. That's now, right. Okay, so um, the, 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 this idea of the government having this vision to become a, a leading entrepreneurial nation by, of by 2030, and that's, of course, in the National Entrepreneurship uh, Policy, the NEP. Sure. Um, and you, do you believe that this protege program is uh, helping push towards that? you think it's really helping out? I believe it's one of the movers, but... I'm putting you on the fence here a little bit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's one of the movers. And, and I'm just going to be very honest and transparent right here. I believe it's one of the movers, but I believe more can be done. Right. As much as you are training up people to be entrepreneurial, hopefully they could help companies solve problems or they themselves become entrepreneurs, it has to be an intervention that equips or supports the ecosystem. Yeah. You have a lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneur people, that's great. But what about the funders? Yeah. What about the investors? Yeah. What about the angel investors? Yeah. Are you giving them incentives to invest in businesses? Are you empowering the regulators or the compliant government agencies to make business or the way of doing business faster, easier in Malaysia? Do you have a tax system that truly supports the spur of growth of new enterprises in Malaysia? Mm. So I believe the Prodigy program is good, again, as one of the intervention, but I believe a systemic ecosystem approach that deals with other stakeholders, investors, government compliant agencies, all these other stakeholders needs to be involved and there has to be programs that would also get them to recognize the contribution of these entrepreneurs, of mm. these SMEs, and how to make business easier to be done in Malaysia. I mean, that was kind of going to be my, my last question for you. You know, What are some of the biggest challenges faced by SMEs and micro SMEs when it comes to uh, attending training and development programs or even getting financing, funding or whatever? You've listed out a few there, but if you had a couple, you know, just, just one or two that you were like, okay, these need fixing now to encourage people and SMEs to send their people on these training programs right. or to start attending training programs, right. what do you think they would be? Because like you said, most of these courses are claimable. Yes. You know, so it's not like it's really a money issue, is it? Right. Yes, right. yes. So the what's courses, the deal? The courses are claimable under the Human Resource uh, Development Corporation yeah. and there are many other grants out there. I would say it's education. Mm. Education to the business owners, to the SME owners, is to showcase more case studies and industry champions. What I mean by case studies and industry champions here means we need to let the SMEs know, hey, everybody, look at all these bigger SMEs. They started off small from humble beginnings. They have grown to the size that people admire them today. But it is because they believed in trading. It is because they believed in succession planning. It is because they believe in grooming up their younger talents without the fear of them leaving, without the fear of competition. It's about spreading that awareness, 
through having case studies, through having industry champions or ambassadors. And sometimes for these industry champions, ambassadors or these case studies, the government would need to, for lack of better words, Richard, uh, glorify them propagate them, to yep. say, hey, you have this company, ABC, they started off as a two-ringgit company, now they're a multi-billion dollar company. Why? Because they invested in their people. Because I think SME business owners, entrepreneurs, just anyone, human nature, we are always afraid to take risks because of the unknown. Mm. But when we're able to see, hey, others have done it before us, mm. and others have succeeded in doing before us, mm. hey, let's give it a try. Yeah. So that's what I believe. I, I would also argue that rolling out the same companies and the same CEOs and the same MDs each time <laughs> is it, not so helpful because no. people attending these courses are like, oh, oh this guy again. Oh, this guy again. <laughs> or, you, know, you know, you don't right. really – it's just repetition. You right. Know? And, and for me, that you, you don't learn anything. You don't learn anything from repetition. Well – I have a recommendation for that. Yeah. So aside from me running Thriving Talents, providing trainings to companies and whatnot, I, I also do a, my part for nation building. So I am one of the vice presidents of one of the largest SME associations in Malaysia called the Malaysian uh, Entrepreneurs Development Association or called PUMM, Persatuan Usahawan Maju Malaysia. And being the vice president there, I would say that we have close to 3,500 SMEs as our members. If governments or any agency of the government would like to look for unsung heroes, untold stories, work with associations like us. I also know there are other associations like the Malaysian Retail Chain Association. You have the ASEAN Business Association. Reach out to associations like that and said, hey, do you have unsung heroes that you would recommend for us to feature? Sure, they are not your Tony Fernandez of Air Asia. They are not your grabs of the world. But they have unsung stories. And more often than not, the SMEs, may be able to relate to them more because the SMEs who are not engaged, who are not showcased, they could they could see that, wow, these people from the associations, they run an SME with a similar size just like me. Yeah. So I could learn from them as well. Lovely. Michael, thank you very much for coming on and talking with me today. It's a pleasure, Richard, always. Brilliant. Folks, of course, that was Michael Teo, founder and CEO of Thriving Talents. They were a company established in 2012 that's focused on developing future leaders and enhancing workplace performance. We focus today on the importance of training and development programs for businesses, particularly the micro and small and uh, medium-sized businesses, and how these businesses being enabled can contribute towards growing Malaysia's economy. And if you missed any part of this conversation. You can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You'll find it there, of course. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise Explores. But don't go anywhere. Stick with us uh, and I'll be back same time, same place tomorrow here on Enterprise, uh, Enterprise Explores here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.